0: All right, Longhorn Nation, fortunately or unfortunately for you, the video is back on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. are Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show, Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, I'm talking about the Texas football team and why I think Junior Angela will continue to be a huge loss for this squad. Then we're talking about the Texas basketball team, where Texas seems to be in the top two for Caleb Love and Arthur Kaluma. Big if true. Then we're talking about the Texas baseball team who won a Big 12 championship this weekend or at least 33 percent of one we discuss all of that and more on today's episode of locked on longhorns part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day so as i was relaxing and unwinding this weekend thinking of topics and ideas i wanted to talk about on the podcast i came up with the idea for today's show of talking about the most impactful it was a spider hanging from my mic look most impactful uh subtraction or loss from the texas football team this offseason you know all we're hearing about is the offseason right now so all we're hearing about is the texas kool-aid right and texas is the best team in the big 12 by a wide margin it's big 12 championship or bus it's 10 wins or bust, right this is the best roster we've seen since steve sarkisian has taken over the texas football team urban myers crazy asset this is the best roster in college football period right so the you know the kool-aid is just flowing talking about this texas football team and i do think that, you know, the expectations are fair, right? I do think that this team should win 10 games this year. I do think that this team is the best team in the Big 12 and should win the championship to validate that. But as we know, as Texas fans, we just got to play the games, right? We just got to play the games. But what we haven't talked about enough is the players that have uh, left, this Texas football team and how big of a loss or how impactful some of these losses can be. Now, of course, when you talk about losses, it starts with Bijan Robinson and all of the players that enter the NFL draft, right? When you lose players who have been as productive and impactful to this team over the last three to four years, like Bijan, Roshan, Demo, Keandre Coburn, Moro Ojimo, Anthony Cook, Deshaun Jameson, the list goes on and on, right? Those are obviously huge losses. But because college football is set up the way it is, you know that you're eventually going to lose these players, right? You knew that Bijan Robinson was a three-year player when you signed him. You knew based on eligibility and production, you were going to lose the rest of the players that I named. And I think that Steve Sarkisian and his staff have done a very good job of fortifying the roster in preparation to losing those pieces, right? You lose Bijan and Roshan, but you come back with Cedric Baxter, Jonathan Brooks, Keelan Robinson, Savion Red and Jaden Blue, right? I think that room will be fine. Maybe not as talented, but I think that room will be fine. You lose Demo, but I'm very comfortable in David Bender for the short term and Anthony Hill for the long term. You lose Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo, but I think you're very comfortable with Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, and Alfred College. And you also brought in Sadir Mitchell. So the list goes on and on, but I think they've done a really good job in terms of fortifying the roster in preparation for those losses to the NFL draft. And that's why I think Texas is still the overwhelming favorites to win the Big 12 after losing players like B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Then when you look at what we lost in the transfer portal, it's easy to say Hudson Carr, right? I don't think you can overstate – how important it is to have a backup quarterback in college football that can step in and win games for you, especially a backup quarterback that had experience like Hudson Carr did when he stepped in to the Alabama game in week two last season. It's also very important when you have a starting quarterback in Quinn Ewers who has missed time his last two years as a full time starter, whether that be the shoulder injury he suffered against Alabama last year or the groin injury, the hernia injury, I should say. He suffered his junior year against South Lake Carroll. He has shown the last two years an inability to stay on the field. I'm going to knock on wood and hope he starts every game this year. So Hudson Carr was a huge loss, right? Because you're losing a quarterback, the most important position on the field, with experience who also was very talented, right? A top 60 player coming out of high school from Lake Travis. But I can't say that's the biggest loss for this Texas football team or really even that impactful when you have a quarterback room that consists of Malik Murphy. Quinn Ewers and Archman. Right. And based on what happened last season, based on who you brought in, it was probably a foregone conclusion as well that Hudson Carr was going to leave. And I think we're all appreciative of what he did for us. We wouldn't go eight and five with him, you know, without him last season. And I think that's why all Texas fans will kind of be Purdue fans from afar this year. But like I said, that can't be the most impactful loss when you have probably outside of USC, the most talented quarterback room in the country heading into the 2023 season. So then I landed on Junior Angulo, and it was kind of a wonky answer because he didn't play last year. So it's hard to determine how much he would have developed from 2021 to 2022 or he, what he would be bringing into the 2023 season because we didn't see him. In 2022, it's also hard to determine what type of player he will be off of the ACL, right? Will he come back better than he was in 2021 or will he take a step back? Will it take him some years to get back to form? Will he ever get back to form? Those are valid questions as well. But when I look at a team that struggled for the majority of the season to run block last year, when I look at a team that struggled against the best three teams they played, Washington, Alabama, and... TCU to run the ball. I think that junior angular was a huge loss for this Texas football team. When I look at the last two times I've seen this offensive line perform via, you know, the spring game, obviously you have to take that with a grain of salt, but I still don't think they performed well. And then against Washington, who wasn't even known for being dominant in the trenches, I'm still a little concerned about this offensive line. When you look at what we have going into the 2023 season, I'm more than comfortable with Kelvin Banks as my left tackle. I'm going to war with him 14 games, right? I'm more than comfortable with Kristen Jones as my right tackle. I'm going to war with him for 14 games. But in terms of the interior offensive line, I have question marks about Jake Majors. I have question marks about Hayden Connor, and I have question marks about whether it's going to be DJ Campbell or Cole Hudson at right guard, right? And I think that's a lot of question marks on an offensive line when we talk about how important it is trench play in college football right when you look at the best trench play on the defensive line the last few years that's been Georgia the two-time national champions the last two years when you look at the trench play on the offensive line it's probably been the best at Michigan and they've been in the college football playoff the last two years so we could talk about receivers tight ends and all of that but we know how important offensive line play is at the University of Texas and I'm still concerned that we're going into the 2023 season expecting an elite offense with an average to above average offensive line, particularly on the interior. I know that Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones, as our bookends, are really good. So when you look at what Junior Engelau did in 2021, his last full season participating before the torn ACL in the offseason, He had a 62.6 pass blocking grade, which would have been fourth among starters last season. The only starter that would have been better than was Cole Hudson, who just did not have a great year at all as a true freshman starting at right guard. Now that 62.6 pass blocking grade is still above average too good, right? He would have been a good pass blocker for the Texas football team if he would have had that same grade in 2022. And what I'm even more comfortable in saying is that he would have not affected the general pass blocking of the offensive line because everywhere else it was great right hayden connor was great in terms of pass blocking jake majors was great in terms of pass blocking and then we know what kelvin banks and christian jones were able to do so even though you know junior angle may have not been the best pass blocker of the group he would have been surrounded by really good pass blocking i think that unit would have still been able to pass block really well as a whole that also includes three sub 50 pro football focus grades in terms of pass blocking in 2021. So basically, nine out of 12 games were really good in terms of pass blocking for junior angle in 2021. But he did have three that were very poor. Even with those grades, he still graded out at 62.6 overall without those games or in the nine games he played well. He's probably closer to a 70, which is elite. So he's not known as a pass blocker, but is somebody that was really good at it in 2021. Then you talk about the run blocking grade. This is where he makes his money, right? This is where he makes a name for himself, 75.1. This would have been first among starters on the Texas football team last season. In 2021, he only had one game, one game where he graded below 57.7 once. He only had one game where he graded 57, below 57.7 the entire season. That was elite from Junior Angleow in terms of run blocking. That game was the RoCat game against Kansas State, where Texas rushed for 209 yards that day. So even though, you know, pro football focus is saying Junior Engelow didn't have a great day, the Texas running game had a great day because they rushed for 209 yards without B. John Robinson. I didn't include DJ Campbell because he didn't play enough snaps to kind of parallel it. But he graded 63.2 on 70 rushing snaps. So I think that junior Angle by far would have been our best run blocker last year. And I still think, even coming into this season, with another year of development in terms of all of the talent that you brought in on that offensive line over the last three years, I still think that junior angle probably would be a little bit better than Hayden Connor this season. I still think that junior angle would probably be a little bit better than Jake Majors this season. And Based on the uncertainty, the question marks in terms of right guard, is it going to be Cole Hudson or D.J. Campbell? What would they look like in a full time role, whether that be D.J. Campbell getting more snaps or Cole Hudson coming back after what we saw last year? I would be more comfortable with junior angle out there right now, based on the uncertainty I have at the right guard position. So he entered the transfer portal. He went to Oregon. He's going to be in a very explosive offense led by Bo Nix. I think that makes sense based on all of the players we recruited the last few years, their development. You tore your ACL. It was just time to move on. But I still think this Texas football team this year will struggle at times on that interior offensive line. And I think the loss of Junior Angela will ring true for this Texas football team for at least one more season. A quick word from FanDuel, and then we're going to talk about the Texas basketball team. Ronnie Terry and his staff have been crutin crutin, and they seem to be in the top two for Arthur Kaluma and Caleb Love. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. There's no better place to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All I'm going to say, Denver. Take care of business tonight. Get the suite. You know, y'all got four games to win. If y'all want to lose tonight and and go take care of business in Denver, whatever y'all need to do. I just don't I don't got time to hear LeBron James is the first player ever to come back down from 3.0. Right. At that point, the debate is over. Just stop talking about it. Right. As a KD fan, look, look, I don't want to hear that. So (laughs) Denver Nuggets, y'all went up 3.0. Y'all are playing amazing basketball. know, poised to go to your first NBA Finals or win your first NBA Finals. I don't know which one it is, but it starts with taking care of business against the Lakers, and y'all can do that tonight. Please get a sweep, and if you want to bet on that game, please go do it at fanduel.com slash locked on. When we talk about this Texas basketball team, it's been a hell of a roller coaster this offseason in terms of building the roster, right? And it started off really, really bad before it got really, really good, right? Because we saw Rowan Brumbaugh go to Georgetown. We saw Arturio Morris go to Kansas. We saw uh, Ron Holland decommit. He's either headed to Arkansas or the G League, most likely. We saw A.J. Johnson go to Australia, right, rather than play at the 40 acres. And then we saw Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell both enter the NBA draft, right? So at the time, the roster is looking horrible, right? It's looking like Brock Cunningham is going to be your best player next season. And then you started to get some good news, right? You bring in Zarek Anyema, who Ronnie Terry previously coached at UTEP. Somebody who's going to bring a lot of energy, rebounding, and defense to this Texas basketball team. Then you bring in Kendall Weaver, somebody who is an aggressive scorer, was the WAC freshman of the year last year at UTA, and somebody who, more importantly, shoots... 40% from the three-point line. I think he's going to be huge for this Texas basketball team this year coming off of the bench. Then you were able to bring in kind of the crown jewel of this class thus far in Max Amos, somebody who has been one of the best point guards in college basketball the last three years at Oral Roberts, averaged 20 points a game the last three years and was the number eight overall transfer in the 24-7 rankings, I believe. Then you were also able to bring in Caden Shedrick, who was the number – he was top 20. I think he was number 17, somebody who can be your defensive acre and could win Big 12 defensive player of the year. He's that good defensively in terms of rim protection. So, you know, we started to get some good news. Then Dylan DeSue, you know, announced he was returning as well. Somebody who, you know, in the NCAA tournament, averaged 23 and 10. And I think there's a lot of untapped potential in terms of Dylan DeSue. Then you get the good news that Tyrese Hunter is coming back. Now, I'm not sure if Tyrese Hunter wanted to come back. I'm sure that was more so him not getting the draft buzz that you know would have made sense for him to stay in the draft process but nonetheless he's coming back to the University of Texas and with two years of starting experience he's one of the best and most experienced guards in college basketball so they've done a really good job in terms of building the roster based on all of the trials and tribulations they've dealt with this offseason coming off of an elite eight run right I know none of us expected that but here we are and I think the roster looks to be in pretty good shape heading into the season. I think this right now is a roster that should at least make it to the second round. Maybe the sweet 16 and could compete for a big 12 championship this year, but it's still missing a little bit of punch, right? It's still missing a little bit of swag. It's still missing a little bit of firepower. And I think they're on the verge of bringing in some really big firepower to the University of Texas. So according to Gary Hamilton from Inside Texas, Texas seems to be in the top two for Caleb Love, Arthur Kaluma, and is in really good standing with Cam Spencer, the grad transfer from Rutgers, a 6'4 guard who shot 43% from the three-point line last year. I read an article that said Rodney Terry really wanted to build this roster based on the roster construction we saw from that Miami team that knocked us out the tournament last year. And based on these players he's targeting, he is doing a really good job of staying true to that. You talk about Caleb Love, he's one of the most polarizing players In college basketball at his best, somebody who has scored 20 and one out of every four of his college basketball games. Yes, somebody who scores 20, 25 percent of the time, one of the most explosive scorers. And he really made a name for himself in that tournament run where he ended Coach Krzyzewski. Right. His last game shot them out the gym in the final four and then had a 15 point lead on the Kansas team that won the national championship at halftime before they blew that lead and Bill Self got his second national championship. I think Caleb Love at his best is one of the best pure scorers in college basketball. Somebody that can score at all three levels. He can get to the rim with ease. He can shoot the mid range. And when he's on from three, he is a microwave, right? He can hit seven to eight of them. The problem is Caleb Love can also shoot you out the gym, and he shot North Carolina out of the NCAA tournament last year, shooting 29% from the three-point line. There were also some other rumors in terms of some off-the-court stuff and just maybe him not being the best locker room player, the best culture player for Hubert Davis at North Carolina. Now, I think because you've lost Ron Holland, you're in the need for... You know, you're in need for a big wing. Caleb Love definitely, you know, fits that profile and gives you the best three guard lineup, kind of like what you had last year in college basketball. Although this time there'll be starters, right, because you're not bringing Caleb Love, Tyrese Hunter or Max Amos off the bench. So I think that's a really good lineup for you. It's either going to come down to Texas or UConn, most likely. Now, UConn may have a better pitch. They just won the national championship. And Jordan Hawkins, their best wing player from that team, is about to get drafted in the first round of the NBA draft. They can say you can be Jordan Hawkins next year and let's run it back to back and try to win a national championship. That's a good pitch. But like I said, Texas has a great pitch as well. A really good balanced roster around Caleb Love. And he could be that last piece of firepower that really takes this Texas team Over the hump, you know, like I said, at his best, he's one of the best pure scorers in college basketball. Somebody that can drop 30 on you in an instant and really shoot the other team out of the gym. The problem is, in a lot of his games, he shot North Carolina out of the gym as well. And there's going to be some games where Texas fans are going to be really disappointed in Caleb Love. When you look at Cam Spencer, not a lot to report. But he is six four. Like I said, he averaged 13 3 and 3 last year on 43% three-point shooting. Like I said, Texas and Rodney Terry wants to build this roster, kind of what we saw from you know, kind of like what we saw from Miami last year. They want multiple guards who can attack the rim and put pressure on the defense while opening up space for three-point shooters on the outside. And of course, you have guards that not only can get to the rim and open up space for the three-point shooters, but all of your guards can be the three-point shooters in terms of Max Amos, Kendall Weaver, Tyrese Hunter, and potentially Caleb Love. So we saw that with that Miami team. That's the reason they moved on to the final four and we went home. Rodney Terry saw that and he's trying to implement that at Texas this year. And then Arthur Kaluma, a big or he's six foot seven, he's a you know kind of a, a wing slash big. He played at Creighton the last two years. Texas has played against Arthur Kaluma the last two years. Years averaged 12.6 rebounds and one and a half assists. I think he could fit in perfectly as a big, kind of small forward at six, seven, somebody that does a lot of things at a really good level. I'm not sure he does anything at an elite level, but he's definitely one of those players that can come in and impact your basketball team in so many different ways. He can score around the rim, he could score around the rim, excuse me, plays bigger than six, seven at times. He can knock down the mid-range shot. He's not Kevin Durant with the mid-range shot, but he can knock it down. He can knock down the three. He's not Max Amos or Kendall Weaver, but he did shoot the three at a 31% clip last year. I think if he takes his three-point attempts down, he can shoot closer to 34%, 35%, somebody that you really have to go out there and guard on the three-point line. And I think he brings some defensive versatility, somebody that can guard at least two to three positions on the opposing offense. So I love Arthur Kaluma, somebody that we've played against two years in a row at Creighton. I have a lot of respect for that Creighton program, and I think he'll be really good at the University of Texas. His decision has said to come down to Arizona or Texas, but Arizona did just pick up a kind of bigger wing slash forward in the transfer portal on Saturday. So it would seem that Texas is in really good standing to land Arthur Kaluma, which would be one of the biggest gets in the transfer portal alongside Max Amos and Caden Shedrick. So I know Caleb love is the big name. That's the splash name. And I would love to have him at the university of Texas. It seems at least right now, that Texas is in his top two. Cam Spencer, 43% three-point shooting. You can never have enough of that from Rutgers. And then Arthur Kaluma, just kind of an all-around, do-it-all player from Creighton who's been really good the last few years in college basketball so I think if you add any one of those players this roster goes from looking like a team who's going to be good but maybe doesn't have the high-end ceiling you add any one of the three players I just mentioned you're talking about once again one of the best rosters and teams in college basketball next season so shout out to Ronnie Terry and his staff for what they've done this offseason amidst all of the trials and tribulations they've had to deal with while recruiting for the 2023 season a quick word From Built Bar, and they're going to talk about the Texas baseball team, Big 12 champs. The co is silent. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. Built, you got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing you won't think they're good for you. You got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in amazing flavors like trail peanut peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it. But these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. But you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while still getting your specialty flavors at Built.com. So whether it's Built.com, Walmart, Sam's Club, wherever you need to go, get your Built Bars today. So, we're talking about the Texas baseball team, and it's been a hell of a season, right? I remember at the beginning of the season, they were four and seven through 11 games. To compare that to last year, they were 11 0, 11 0 through 11 games. So, we started to look at this team as a rebuilding team, right? And that especially was mentioned after they started off four and seven. And you can't blame Texas fans and people around the program, people that cover college baseball for thinking a team that lost Douglas Hodo, Eric Kennedy, Ivan Melendez, Trey team, Pete Hanson, et cetera, et cetera, would not be as good as they were last year, right? And we saw when Texas was able to take a share of the Big 12 championship over the weekend, a lot of the players on the team took it personally, right? They went to Instagram, their Instagram stories and their Twitter, you know, kind of talking trash, throwing shade and putting rebuilding year in air quotes. So it's obvious that, you know, they took that personally and I'm glad after that four and seven start to the season, they were able to really start, you know, rolling and hitting on all cylinders as a baseball team in terms of defense. Right. We saw that really get cleaned up after that first couple of weeks of the season pitching. That was really bad to start off. They got a lot better throughout the course of the season. And of course the offense got better when they started to develop chemistry to the point to where at the end of the season, I mean, they're putting 10 runs on almost everybody, right? This looks like a really good, really complete Texas baseball team that definitely could make a run in postseason play. Now, you talk about them being co-Big 12 champs. They had a three-way tie conference-wise in terms of record with West Virginia and Oklahoma State. So, you know, in 20 years, nobody will remember that it was a three-way split. They'll say Texas was the Big 12 champs. At least Texas fans will. West Virginia will say West Virginia was the Big 12 champs, and Oklahoma State will... Fans will say that Oklahoma State was the Big 12 champs, right? Who cares? Now, I will say I feel bad for West Virginia because you have to claim a Big 12 championship coming off a sweep, right? And that never feels good. You literally backed your way into a three-way tie. So I know they had to claim it. It was their first ever. Not sure that's the way you wanted to win it. But at the end of the day, they are a Big 12 champs. But like I said, coming off of a sweep and, you know, kind of backing your way into it. Not a good look, but it happened. When you look at the series, which allowed Texas to be co-Big 12 champs and West Virginia to be co-Big 12 champs as well because they got swept, Texas outscored West Virginia 29-9. to In this series, they really took it personally, knew they had an opportunity to get a share of the Big 12 title, came out and took care of business. We talked about this on Friday's episode, but on Thursday, they went 12 to two, three homers from for downtown Porter Brown, eight RBIs overall, seven innings of shutout ball from Lucas Gordon. I think he had eight strikeouts. So they just hit on all cylinders on Thursday, beating up on West Virginia by 10 runs. They came back on Friday and beat them 10 to four. They they allowed. Two runs in the ninth inning. I think that's, you know, like I said, been a problem for the last month for this Texas baseball team. But for the most part, over the last month, even though they've given up runs in the eighth or the ninth inning, it hasn't resulted in them blowing saves or blowing leads, right? And they still won this game 10 to four, even allowing those two runs in the ninth inning. Your offense gave you one double, four homers, and five slash hit by pitches. So they did a really good job of getting on base. And LBJ had 11 strikeouts on 16 recorded outs. That is crazy. He's got crazy stuff. This staff has crazy stuff, especially with Tanner went back and he was the starter on saturday they won that game seven to three texas jumped out to a 6-0 lead i've talked about how this offense has done a really good job of putting at bats together they drew six walks and had five extra base hits this offense is hitting on all cylinders west virginia tried to save their ace to the saturday game the last game of the regular season to have their best chance of not sharing the big 12 title but that didn't work out this texas offense chased their ace in the first and with their potential ace on the mound in Tanner Wick coming back from injury. He had his best outing of the season thus far. Three innings pitched, only one hit allowed, one walk, zero runs, and three Ks. Tanner Witt looks to be back at the right time heading into postseason play. And now Texas will start the Big 12 tournament on Wednesday as the number one seed, where they'll play eight seed Kansas at 1230. If they win that game, they move on to play again on Thursday, where they will play the winner of TCU and Kansas State, the four and five seed. So congrats to David Pierce and this Texas baseball team on a really magical season based on all the talent you lost last year. A lot of people didn't think that you could come back and replicate what you did last season. And now at least you have 33% of the big 12 championship in 2023. So a really special season and they have a chance to add on to the special based on what they do in the big 12 tournament and post play. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of locked on longhorns part of the lockdown podcast network, your team every day, hook them. MP.